become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Greetings to all of the no ones in the chat room. That's right, I'm putting the empty chat room on blast. Where the freak is everyone? Wait a second. I think Jason put me on safe language mode. What a mortar forker. This is ETL News with your hosts, the Mulberry Boys. Are you guys ready for some pointless news about film, television, and pop culture? Well then you've come to the right place. Now here they are, the J-Strom and PCZ Steven and sometimes Mulberry Bill. And I am the Jaystrom, and I'm with PCZ Steven. <laughs> That's right. I PCZ thought you were going to introduce me, so I was waiting. <laughs> What's up, guys? Steven, how's it going? Fantastic. We're here to talk about, uh, you know, film, television, pop culture news. Useless news that no one can really use. Doesn't change anyone's life, but, yeah. you know, it's our calling. It's what we do. And, uh, you know, last week we had a really special show. We did the drop show. How awesome was that? It was fun. It was such a blast. I haven't listened back to it yet. I need to listen back because we laughed so hard. Oh, man, you've got to. You've got to listen to that. And I can see Baby's already whining at the door. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. It's so much fun having a beagle and podcasting at the same time. But... Uh, Bill told me he may call in later to the show. He may grace us with his presence. Oh, okay. Mm, you know, just he's uh, studying. Don't for get his, too excited, uh, Steve. He's, he's got his studies going on. I'm he's, not... a, he's a he's a bookworm, Poindexter. He's trying know, to get through the college. Yeah, trying to get through the college. I can't wait till we get into some news stories. But first, Stephen, first we have some voicemail. Right on. And I want to get right into this voicemail before we get into the news, because we got some good voicemail. First, there's Swiley. Let's check this out. Hey, this is Swiley. I just finished listening to the Battle of the Drop show. That was amazing. It was so freaking hilarious. Um, I've had a difficult week. Uh, lost a coworker. Um, 
he passed away due to cancer. Um, so, you know, it's been rough for me, but this show was so hilarious. It made me laugh throughout. My cheeks were, were sore from laughing, uh, ridiculously throughout the whole thing. So props to the quiz master, uh, Jason, the, uh, tabulator, Steven, PCZ Steven. Good job. Um, the, uh, surprisingly sexy voice of TRS 80. <laughs> um, and I bow down humbly to the drops knowledge of both Ross and Adam. Congratulations, Adam. You earned it. Uh, consider this podcast beef squashed. Um, I'm officially off blast now. Great show. Uh, miss you, Mulberry Bill. You're awesome. Keep up the great work, guys. Swiley out. Ooh, thank you, Swilly. Swilly? <laughs> oh, Swilly! I love it. Thank you, Swiley. That was awesome. And I'm really sorry about your coworker. And I'm glad that the show could bring some levity, some entertainment, and uh, bring some laughs. Yeah, my cheeks hurt too for hours afterwards. It was very therapeutic that show. Like I felt like uh I was like tired but like a happy tired like we'd accomplished something very entertaining and fun. Well, you were like suspecting it wasn't going to take as long as it did. Yeah, it was funny because I told Heather, I was like, uh, "Hey, why don't you guys wait to go go to dinner for us because uh we'll be done in like an hour." cut to one hour later and we're not even done with the cake boss drops and she's like okay we're ready when you are and i was like oh uh we're gonna be a while i don't know what i was thinking and they waited for us to finish the show and we went to eat what was it like 10 30 or something yeah yeah 10 30 at night we went to eat but uh it was fun it was awesome so it was a nice two hour at least two hour show Maybe a little longer. I I was amazed by Adam and uh, Ross's drop knowledge. drop knowledge, and I was thinking, oh, it'd be so much fun to compete in this myself. And I'd be like, wouldn't be fair at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, who made the drops? It's like I did. It's like, how is that fair? It's not. It's not. It's really not. I really hope the mic's not <laughs> picking her up. You darn dog, baby, go to your crate, take a nap. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Screw you, buddy. <laughs> now, Stephen, we have another voicemail. This one from Adam Sexton. Yay. Hey, let's check it out. If you remember at the end of the drop show, Battle of the Drops, Ross kind of called Adam out for not listening to old school episodes. Oh, he did. And Adam Sexton got the message, and here's his retort to that. <laughs> let's check it out. Hello, ETL crew. This is Adam Sexton here to drop you off some voicemail feedback, lest anyone thinks that I'm slipping on that front. First thing, the Battle of the Drops episode was brilliant, hilarious, one of the best episodes in the history of your podcast. Plenty of laughs, plenty of nostalgia, not from the drops, but also from the interactions between the contestants and the judges and uh Foggy. Of course, there were some... uh some moments and i think i'm not alone here where i think foggy was a little rusty on the response time but hopefully this will improve in the future adam from the bay area one like we all knew he would except for some certain people ross put up a good fight 
But I think he somewhat tarnished his performance in his post-game comments, which I'll get to here pretty shortly. Uh, as I posted on Facebook, this needs to happen every year. Uh, this battle was very TV show heavy, nothing wrong with that, but I'm kind of hoping we can have like a draw battle with um, movie drops. And uh, I would love to participate on that, hopefully. Movie now, drops. before I move on, I've got to put someone in their place yet again. Oh. Some weeks ago, it was Kim Preventure uh, who basically implied that I didn't send enough uh, voicemail feedback. Now it's Ross Pony accusing me of not listening to the back catalog of Nowhere in Mulberry episodes. And I don't know where he got this idea, but I know why he did it. We all know why he did it. While Ken was uh, well-intentioned, if misguided, Ross was desperate and just clearly hostile. He had his ass handed to him live on internet radio by Adam Howard, and apparently he's just a bad loser. He had to get one more dig in whoever was the nearest target. Now, I have listened to a good portion of the past uh, Norrin Mulberry catalog. I have not listened to all of them. Uh, and definitely not enough to uh, compete in the bat, uh, drop battle uh, contest. And I tend to listen to past episodes based on the show notes, not by chronological order. So I tend to just go back and forth, uh, just depending on you know show topics, if I'm interested uh, in a certain topic or if there was a certain special guest. Uh that's just how I do it. Um, if it's wrong, I don't want to be right. But look, there's a lot of episodes to go through, so that's just the way I uh, that's the way I handle it. What puzzles me though is Ross probably has listened to all the episodes, and it just still wasn't enough to for him to win. And I suspect that Ross just didn't do his prep work like Adam, didn't take the challenge seriously. Adam Howard knew he was going to win. Ross thought it would just be a piece of cake. There's some real tortoise in the hair shit going on here. And uh, Adam Howard had the airflow chassis because we turtles are made for racing. It's just sad, Ross. Uh, you could have lost with grace and dignity, but that's what you get when you take on the atom bomb. Don't even think about taking on another. So uh, moving on from that dramatic response. Uh, just wanted to give you a heads up on uh, an entertainment choice that I made. I didn't think I would ever try to do this, but uh, I decided to give the PlayStation Now service a chance. This is the game streaming uh, service that is provided through the PlayStation uh, console platforms, and apparently now you can do it on a PC as well. And uh, I'm on the trial they give you like a seven day trial and then you have to choose whether you want to uh, do a one month or a three month subscription model. Uh, first game I tried was Bioshock Infinite. Pretty good for the most part. It's actually a lot smoother than you would think, although there were some areas where if there was a lot of activity going on or if you had to do a lot of button presses, uh, there tended to be some lag. Uh, there tended to be some, uh, slowdown. Hmm. Uh, but other than that, it, it actually looked and operated just fine. I decided to switch to another game and tried uh, Ninja Gaiden Sigma, which I had played the Xbox uh, version, but not the PS3 version, and I had zero slowdown. 
it's it seems to be a really good service so far and there's plenty of ps3 titles i haven't played mostly the library's ps3 heavy uh they'll add games every month and i believe someone from sony said earlier this year that they were planning to add ps2 and ps1 titles too if if that's the case then this service could get uh very sweeter so anyway, uh, I got to keep it short and get back to work. But Jason, thanks for the great uh, content, for entertaining us week in and week out. I loved hearing uh, from another Chuck series companion. Uh, and I'll try and finish the Dead Ahead uh, uh, chapters. And I see that you've posted a new one. So that's something to look forward to. Steven, uh, glad to hear that you're back. We've all missed you. So, uh, so, uh, for th- so thanks for coming back and uh we look forward to hearing your inter- interactions i think the etl daily could work a lot better or can work in a different way if jason has someone to uh bounce off ideas with uh adam you're the drop king man i knew you could do it continue to be awesome ross uh see you in hell <laughs> bill you're still an asshole Guys, I'll see you later. Have a good day. Bye. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. (laughs) Wow. I would love to hear Ross's response to this, but uh, thank you so much. We'll have to wait a week, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to wait a week, but thank you guys so much for the voicemail. We have one more. It's Darren. Let's check it out. Oh, and by the way, the movie drop thing, it was funny you suggested that. Do you remember way back when? We used to do movie drops, mm-hmm. and um, that's where we got the origin of, uh, you say boomstick? That's what I heard yeah. from Vanessa. It's from the movie drops game, because, you know, Hello, this is my boomstick! And Vanessa was like... She said boomstick? That's what I heard. <laughs> I was just trying to figure it out. She was so bad at that game. <laughs> she, <laughs> she hadn't seen any of the movies, but... Uh, that, that's very interesting. What, the way you said every year, I like that because it was. That it, means you got to start working on drops again. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. Well, no, there's plenty of drops. <laughs> we don't need any more. I mean, for instance. Well, you want some fresh ones added in, don't you? I'm not saying okay, look not as heavy it, as so, you. Look at how many drops we have. Tell me if I need to make more. Uh, what is, tell them the number, Stephen, that you just 10, saw. 10,400 <laughs> and what? 647. 10,000 drops. I never need to make another <laughs> drop as long as I live. Uh, there's plenty. We only covered, we covered less than 100. Think about it. And there okay. were one, as I was re-listening to the show, I was like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. I have all that for the next time. I've got it. But. We should wait a year before we do it again. We can't do it like every week, you know. No. But next year, I mean, you September, could, but it'd be it'd be cool if like every September, like you know, you Adam like and Ross right start after gearing the up anniversary for it. show or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam and Ross start gearing up for it to you know start working out, listening to old school and stuff like that. So let's check out Darren's voicemail. Hello, how are you? Uh, let me try that again. Um, hello. That's weird. Hello, Entertainment Landfill. It's uh, Darren from Birmingham in the UK. Well, it's it's been nearly a year since my last uh, voicemail. Oh, wow. Too long 
Julie Newmar. I've, I've been drinking Nigerian Guinness. Uh, it's, oh, wow. it's a bit stronger than the normal Guinness. It's been exported, imported, and ends up about 7.5%. But I, I wanted to contact you, but I, I wanted to say hello again and just thank you very much for all your podcasts, uh, your news, uh, trailer reacting, um, and most recently, the drop-off, the Mano a Mano Drop King Decider. I I'm really happy when I um hear you guys talking um about random stuff and TV and news anything that's going on. Uh, please keep going. Uh, I'm my way like you you get the stuff out uh quickly at the moment. Me and Paul, we're, we're turning one out at a rate of about one every two or three months. Um, shabby. Uh, haven't got any excuses. Well, uh, since I last spoke, um, I got engaged, but I still need to sell my flat, move in. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And job sucks and stuff. Uh, some holidays, uh, saving for wedding. Uh, uh, what it also means, um, as far as not producing, hardly some getting time to listen. I've had to end up sort of binge listening, particularly whilst I'm ironing. Binge listening some, uh, chin stroke at the moment. Uh, at the moment, there's not many programs getting hooked into. Aside, trying to get into billions, <laughs> because at the moment got a now TV subscription, but I think I've scrapped that. Oh no, go watch, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., catch up on that first. Oh, nice. And then get Netflix again. I was really shocked that no one got uh, dismissed. Or... (laughs) (laughs) In terms of the drops from Spartacus, if I had a decent employer, I'd be allowed to listen to podcasts all day, probably go back to the dot old school from episode one and get get through them all. A belated happy 11th Thank birthday, you. and I hope to listen to you more. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Darren. And Darren, you are dismissed! <laughs> that was one of the ones I was like, damn it, we should have done that one. Or I can't believe we, I, I didn't, it would have been a gimme, but this one. Go downstairs, Mary. Yeah. Oh, Go downstairs, Mary. I was like, oh, that's... I mean, whoever would have gotten that, they would have gotten it immediately. Or this one. Thick and fudgy. <laughs> Thick and fudgy. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of drops, and uh, next time we'll do something like that. Now, Stephen, uh, let's get into the news. I want to thank uh, Swiley, Adam, and Darren for those awesome voicemails. And, and congratulations on your engagement. And Yeah, that's great. Awesome. awesome. And, uh, Stephen, some Dark Tower news I'd like to read to you, okay? Yes, please. Uh, first, details on the Dark Tower companion TV series, which will will include Idris Elba. Next year, the Dark Tower movie is going to hit theaters. 
But a year later, it'll have its very own companion TV show hitting the airwaves, featuring at least one of the film's major stars. And now we finally have some details, including the fact that the movie's star, Idris Elba, will appear on the show as well. Entertainment Weekly, you know, that's where we go to for our news, reports that the TV series will be an adaptation of the fourth entry in the King Saga, Wizard and Glass. That book... That uh, we never actually did a show on. (laughs) The show will feature a framing device where Roland, Elba's character in the film, and Jake Chambers, a young boy. They have to write it where we don't know what, oh, what, who are they? You know, and Jake, uh, flashback to Roland's origins as a gunslinger. A new actor will play the younger Roland. And while Elba's involvement is confirmed, Matthew McConaughey's Man in Black uh, will definitely appear, uh, <laughs> but Matthew McConaughey is not guaranteed to. But as they say here in the story that, you know, the Man, the in, man Black in Black take- is a shapeshifter. He yeah. can take on any form. Other details about the series are sparse. Sparse. Uh, how do you say that word, Stephen? Sparse. Sparse. But <laughs> I just wanted to do that. But Dark Tower director Nikolai Arcel and his co-writer. Okay, we gotta let the dog out. I, I can't take it anymore. So let me out of the freaking house. God damn it. <laughs> um. So, but uh, Dark Tower director Nikolai Arcel and his co-writer Anders Thomas Jensen are both contributing scripts to the series, which is planned to run for ten to thirteen episodes. No cable network or streaming service has acquired the series yet, but the plan is to produce the show first and then focus on finding someone to air it. You know, Netflix. Netflix would definitely do it. Yeah, or Hulu, or uh, I hope it's not Hulu. I hated how, like, 11, 22, 63, how they had commercials. I just, and yes, I could pay for the commercial free one, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> We'll bring you more on the series as we know it, but for now, you can expect the Dark Tower TV show in 2018. Okay. Stephen? Very interesting. Very interesting. Interesting details there. I did like Wizard and Glass. We just never got around to doing the show. I think that's an interesting idea because, you know, when we were talking about way back when, like Bill and I did the three book shows... I was like, they could do Wizard and Glass. I had the idea, they need to film that one first. Because in a lot of ways, even in The Gunslinger, the book, it has flashbacks to when Roland was a a pupil, a a student. They could film all the Wizard and Glass film, or, you know, they're planning on doing it. TV screen, TV. And then when you go and film The Gunslinger, when you have all those flashbacks, you've already got that footage in the next... Uh, three books in the wastelands in uh um uh drawing of the three or whatever so i thought that would have been cool but uh that idea is interesting at the same time i am very 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 trepidatious i'm just like i'm not excited i'm not anything i'm just sitting here reading the news i'm just uh getting the information every week or Whenever it's reported on Entertainment Land, uh, Entertainment Weekly or whatever, you know, they had a big story all about it. And that's where I learned some spoilers on accident. I'm not excited at all, which is sad because you would have thought I would be about a gunslinger movie being made. I'm just like on the fence waiting to see that first trailer to see if I get excited. 
right. a lot of people, you know, they were even talking in, um, which is great. I love when we actually have people saying things in the entertainment landfill on uh, Facebook that they really want us to continue <clears throat> and record a show based on the final three books. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm leaning towards that way. Maybe, you know, I, you know, I definitely, I could see me reading all three books. You and Bill already have. And then us doing a show just where we talk about the whole series, like one show. Right. I could see us doing that. Or we could do one for each book. Uh, but we'll see. I'm, I'm interested in it. Now, Steven, I want to read you a story about Firefly. Are you a fan of Firefly? Yes. By Josh Whedon. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Josh, <laughs> Josh Whedon. Yeah. Now, uh. Josh Whedon. <laughs> Nathan Fillion is totally fine with just one season of Firefly. Yes, that's right. A lot of people are like, oh, they could bring it back. It could be on Netflix. You could do another season. You'll be hard-pressed to find a Firefly fan that hasn't vocally wished that there were more episodes of Captain Mal and his goddamn heroes trekking about the verse than the show's sole abbreviated season. But at this point, even Nathan Fillion, Fillion, I don't know how you say his name. Fillion. Fillion. No definition found has entered the accepted <laughs> stage of the five stages of grief. Speaking at a panel with the rest of the show's cast at Long Beach Comic Con this past weekend, when asked about why there isn't more of the series, Fillion said that while the job was a dream role for him, at this point he's ready to accept that there won't be any more Firefly coming. It's really hard to look at that kind of stuff and say, give me more, because it's not enough. Oh my god, it was everything. It was everything. How can everything not be enough? Which makes sense after he spent the past 13 years fielding the same questions about the show's <laughs> fate. Of course, Fillion would prefer to reserve the, preserve the memory of the time he spent on the show instead of being perpetually stuck, hoping there'll be more one day. That said, even all this time later, it's still nice to dream every once in a while. Yes, it is. I think at this point, it's been a long time. And, uh, I mean, they could, I mean, look at Gilmore Girls or Twin Peaks or something. They could definitely do it one day. I can understand why he's not hopeful and he'd be afraid to, that it would be shitty. Or, or the, yeah, the magic is gone. Yeah. I don't think it is. I honestly, I'm just think saying, they, they could there's a back. fear of that. Yeah. That, I can definitely see, uh, why there's a fear. Now, Stephen, the next story, when I read you the headline, I'd like for you to gasp. Okay. 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 Stephen, every shot of the Black Panther in Civil War was CG. <gasps> That's right. Here's another mind-boggling tidbit from the fascinating Captain America Civil War Blu-ray commentary. Every shot of Black Panther in Civil War is CG. <gasps> Yeah, that's right. Not just the obvious ones, like where Panther's chasing the Winter Soldier on foot or in a hand-to-hand claw fight with Captain America. Every single shot. There is a Panther costume on the Civil War set. You might have seen pictures of it. That does look fairly close to the final costume in the movie. The practical suit eventually became the template for visual effects artists to do their work. That revelation... Revelation. That revelation comes in the commentary conversation between directors Anthony and Joe Russo and the screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. In the scene where Panther makes his in-costume debut, 
They talk about how much anticipation there was for the character and how they're all happy with the final results. They really did a ton of work on that outfit. I mean, we had an outfit that we used on set. It's impossible when you're talking about an otherworldly outfit like the one Panther wears, which has a certain luminescence to it because it made a, it's made of woven metal. We could never afford to construct an outfit like that that an actor or stunt player could move around in without sweating to death or that would capture the luminescence that we needed. So what we need, we ended up doing in post is ILM came in and they painted over Chadwick and the stuntman. The outfit is completely CG. (laughs) The writer asks if that applies to every frame in the movie, and Russo confirms it. The Russos confirm it. Every frame of the Black Panther in Civil War, I repeat, Steven, is CG. (gasps) That's right. Pretty shocking, huh? All right. That was just Uh, under the, do we really care? (laughs) my, my, uh, My heart's broken now. I know. Now, Stephen, ah, this one, you should have disappointment at your reaction to this. Paramount delays the release of Rings and Friday the 13th. Oh. What's that? (laughs) That's right. You know, Rings, that's the uh, continuation, the sequel to The Ring. Fans eagerly anticipated Paramount Pictures' upcoming horror films, Rings and Friday the 13th should prepare themselves for an extended wait. Paramount has announced that they are delaying the release of both films. Rings, which is set to release on October 28th, just a month away, will now be released on February 3rd, 2017. The studios pushed Friday the 13th from January 13th, 2017 to October 13th, 2017. No. Oh my God, you had to wait a whole year. This isn't the first shakeup for either film. Paramount has continually delayed the release of Rings, first from November 2015 to April 2016, and now October 2016, and now into the next year. Friday the 13th was recently locked up with legal troubles that slowed production. Rings director Javier Gutierrez is the third entry... Of the Ring psychological horror franchise. Oh, that was that they did do a Ring too, didn't yeah. they? I never saw that. Me neither. It is set 13 years after the events of the previous films, and will explore a new <laughs> angle, a movie within a movie of the series' infamous video killer on videotape that was previously unknown. This sequel will star people you've never heard of, and Friday the Thirteenth will explore some uh, unrevealed details about Jason Voorhees. His origin story. <gasps> wow. Pretty cool, huh? Yes. Not interested. No. <laughs> Not interested at all. Is it kind of like, uh, I, I watched a, a little, somebody posted in, in, I guess, was it our site or somebody else's, or, but about, um, they were interviewing John Carpenter about the remake of Halloween. Mm-hmm. And he was like, they were like, what did you think about it and all that? And he's like, he goes, I don't know why Rob Zombie told, told everybody that I was against it and was kind of, he goes, I was all for it. I said, make it yourself, you know, make it your own movie. Mm-hmm. He goes, he's like, he's such a dick. Essentially. <laughs> it's like, he tried to make it seem like he was against it. So it seemed cooler. Yeah. Like, more like, uh, wow. Jason! Excuse me? Okay, Steven, Bill Hader joins the Power Rangers movie as Alpha 5. Hey! 
Do you know who Alpha 5 is, Steven? No. <laughs> Bill Hader is joining the new Power Rangers movie as a robot. Alpha 5. The film's official Twitter account revealed the news that the train wreck actor. Oh, is that what he's from? Okay. And the SNL stalwart. Stalwart. Would be starring as the childlike assistant known for his signature cat phrase of, ay, 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 yay. Okay. Hater will join Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa and Brian Cranston as Zordon, the Rangers mentor. Lionsgate recently announced it will host a panel at New York Comic Con featuring the cast and crew and debuted a bunch of character posters for the film. I think we're too old for this. Maybe, uh, Emma will be interested in this. What do you think? Maybe. Now, Stephen, here's some Simpson news. Okay. FXX, the, uh, will, uh, <laughs> have a, remember last year, or was that the year before they had that big Simpsons marathon? I think it was last year. It was a, a, like an anniversary of the Simpsons or something. And, yeah, they played every episode. Well, they're going to have like Memorial. I think so. Or... And we had it on that channel and we yeah. were like, Oh yeah, this episode. And a lot of people were pissed because it was stretched on some episodes and stuff. Well, Guess what, Steven? They're going to have a new marathon, and it will be the longest marathon ever. After decades on air, The Simpsons has become an integral part of American culture, thanks to its incredible staying power. There are enough episodes to binge watch for days on end, and diehard fans will soon have a chance to do exactly that. In the spirit of the holidays and to commemorate the longevity of the iconic cartoon, FXX will be airing every episode from the show's 27-season run in successive chronological order. The 600-episode marathon will begin at 12 p.m. on Thursday, November 24th, and will conclude at 12 a.m. on Wednesday, December 6th. For those wondering, that's a 300-hour marathon, approximately 13 days. That makes it the longest TV marathon in history. <laughs> this is the longest Simpsons marathon ever and surpasses their previous 552 episode marathon that ran in 2014. Oh, there, there's our answer right there. The every Simpsons ever marathon, as it's been dubbed, is also a tribute to the creative talent that has made the Simpsons such a well-loved classic. So at the end of this, me watching this, I'm going to look like comic book guy. Yes. Best episode ever. Or something like that. Step out of it! Well, that's pretty cool. I definitely will have it on that channel. At least on the other tuner and flip it over from time to time. Now, Steven, you know how I've said things about uh, <laughs> The Walking Dead in the past, right? Yes. And, you know, every once in a while I'll see more news come out. And You're a huge fan. You watch every episode. Can you just picture me? I go like this. Uh, as I see these AMC wants the walking dead franchise to last as long as star Trek. And as soon as I saw that, it was like, wait a second. Didn't the original run of star Trek, it didn't last two long. Seasons, did it? Three seasons. Yeah. Was Are it? they including, uh, next generation, deep space nine Voyager. <laughs> well, let's see seven seasons in the walking dead, seven seasons already. Jesus. <laughs> we got to remember it's not 22 episodes. It's not that long. The Walking Dead serves as AMC's best interest to extend and expand itself as long as possible and milk as much money as they can. Oh, I added that part, by the way. <laughs> milk as much money as they can? We've even heard vague suggestions The Walking Dead con continuing indefinitely, as with its comic inspiration. But AMC boss Josh Sapin 
took things a step further to proclaim their flagship horror drama as an endlessly renewal franchise. I think they mean renewable franchise, a la Star Trek. Sapin made comments at Wednesday's Gotham Goldman Sachs Communicopia conference, whatever that is, reasserting that the AMC drama has incredible long life left in it and could continue for many, many more years. They could drag out each season with a horrible cliffhanger. Companion series Fear the Walking Dead hasn't achieved anywhere near the same popularity as its um, progenitor, a person or thing from which a person, animal, or plant is descended or originates, an ancestor or parent, as popular as its parent show. But that isn't stopping Saban <laughs> from keeping additional franchise extensions in his back pocket. Just as Star Trek has endured for half a century. Star Trek came and went three times. We do think that we have a franchise in The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead. That is one of the rare franchises that you occasionally come across in what we do for a living. Fear the Walking Dead, the next generation. <laughs> it isn't impossible to imagine the Walking Dead enduring a few reinventions over time, particularly as comics still provide a long stretch of roadwork for the main series. Still, if we're going to make Star Trek comparisons, it might behoove the series to embrace some of the more out-there ideas that have emerged in the books, which have seen fit through time and embrace more specific world-building. I'd be willing to indulge a far, a more far-flung Walking Dead world acclimated to the zombie apocalypse. But does the concept really support what AMC has in mind for the next few decades? Sure, they can do whatever they want. I mean, I think it's funny that uh, I've seen some people speculate what future seasons would be. But you got to remember how this show does seasons. It's not a year later. Season 6 and Season 7 are on the same freaking week. Right. Not even a freaking year has passed, right? It's just like there was <clears throat> there was there one like, time uh, a time lapse of like winter. We didn't see winter because it's too expensive to film winter, so they cut to the summer again. But it's not like years have passed on the show at all. It's barely been a year and a half, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's been. So yeah, people are like, what could this show look like ten years from now? It's like it could be like two years later, you know. It's it's like they they would have says to, it, ha it can man, be the Carl, same. Carl, you sure have sprouted these past few months. Well, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Fear of the Walking Dead happens the same time as The Walking Dead. Right. It's just the West Coast version. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, and by the way, do you watch Fear of the Walking Dead? Have you watched? Yeah, it? Yeah, I do. What do you think of it? And okay. It, do people it, do stupid things yes. on it? Is yeah. it? Does it do any of the characters annoy the shit out of you because of their actions? Yes. <laughs> okay, good you, to know. Good you, to know. You, you, they, I think they just automatically have to put stupid people in there. I don't yeah. know why. It moves the plot forward, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know why, but you know. Yeah, it's lazy writing, right? Right. So you got to make somebody make a stupid move to move a move along a story that would really go nowhere otherwise. Right. Now, Steven, a Time Warner CEO, says that DC films have a little room for improvement. So far, the DC Cinematic Universe hasn't had a great start, with reviews of Man of Steel and this year's Batman v Superman and Suicide, Suicide, Suicide Squad leaning towards the negative. Now, I want to just stop him right there. I honestly think 
because of how much freaking money these movies have made, they care a little tiny bit. Right. They don't care that much. As long as they keep making tons of dough. Wait, hold on. I think uh, think we've got somebody. Vanessa? It's Bill! Mulberry Bill! I heard typewriter clacking, so I just thought Vanessa joined us. <laughs> Hello, Bill, are you there? I am. Hey, what's up? Mulberry hey. Bill! I'm tired of school. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Steven, say hello to hello, Bill. <laughs> hey, Bill, how's it going, man? I know you're tired of school. You've been doing a lot of work, haven't you? Yeah, today was a huge day. Today's my uh, my 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. all day with an hour break for lunch. Had a quiz, had a practical, had the information for the exam next Friday crammed down my throat. And uh, tonight I'm working on this benefits of aging photo journal and life story assignment. Oh, wow. Photo journal? Yeah, we've got to do a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation with a photo on each slide talking about how great it is to get old. Ah, oh, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, Good it's day, fantastic. <laughs> Who yeah. doesn't want to get old? Yeah, let's do a photo journal documenting it. Yeah, all, all I'm doing is Googling the benefits of aging and reading article after article about five powerful benefits of pro-aging thinking. You need it's to just... find a picture of old people just flipping the camera off and have page after <laughs> yeah. page of that. Well, I was thinking about trying to find, like, phone photos of, like, old people with, like, fingers in them or just not knowing how to take pictures. Oh, you know what you need to do? Just take screenshots of Cocoon and put them in there. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> freaking brilliant. I am so using that. And when I'm done, I'm going to take pictures of it and put it on the uh, on the uh, fan club page. It's like, isn't that Hume Cronin? <laughs> oh, my God. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, my God. Yes. That'll be awesome. And you know what's funny is that no one in my class will get it. No one. Because I think... In my particular, our, our class is split into separate labs. Uh, and this is, this presentation is done in the lab. And I don't think, I, I don't think there's a person in the lab, uh, older than maybe 24. Oh, wow. Cause I, I just go to school with a bunch of kids. That was like, you know, this week was my birthday and they were saying, like, well, how old are you? And I was like, Terry <laughs> Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. She's old. Too old. It's embarrassing whenever you're going. I mean, there's only five guys in our class, and I kind of alienate the guys because it's like today we're doing the – we're working on um, e-stim. So, uh, you know, you hook up the electrodes to the various muscles and then run through it. And today during our practical, we had to demonstrate our car competency on e-stim. And, uh, there's this one guy in my class, this huge ginger named Jeff, who I constantly tease. And he's just standing there and I go, it's his turn. And I go, Hey, Jeff, what are you just standing there for looking sexy? It's your turn. And he just turned beet red. <laughs> Just pure beat red. I didn't know if he was pissed at me or entirely embarrassed. Oh, my God. That's funny. Nah, just a lot of joke.
so yeah, I'm the old guy in the class. Great. It's good to be the old guy. I remember at MJ Designs when <laughs> every generation would graduate school and leave to college, there would be a new generation of young kids. And here was Jason still there in the framing department. And by that, oh my old God. Old man Jason. <laughs> You're the veteran. You know what? When I remember when we were standing in line, I kind of talked about this when we saw Suicide Squad. It was all, you know, as they call them, millennials in line and me and Heather. And I turned to Heather and I just said out loud, I was like, I feel like the oldest man on the face of the earth. (laughs) I feel so old. I can't relate to any of these annoying shits. Like they're all so annoying. They're just annoying the shit out of me. Just the the way they look, the way they sound. And I'm like one of those, get off my lawn kind of guys. <laughs> That's the way I felt. I felt it right then. And I felt like uh, Grandpa Simpson looking at the cloud. <laughs> Damn you, cloud. <laughs> it's too loud. <laughs> or no, wait, it's turn it up. Turn, turn it, it up. up. Turn it up. Now, Bill, I was doing a story about how the CEO of Time Warner says that DC <laughs> films have a little room for an Im- improvement. A little room. Yeah. That's generous. The thing I thought was funny about this is the story reports with reviews of Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, leaning towards the negative. The folks in charge are trying anything they can think of to get their next few films back on track. But didn't they all make a shitload of money? I think Suicide Squad set some kind of record. A lot of, you know, a lot of people shit on the film, but it's still making money. Does DC, the whoever the heads are, uh, CEO of Time Warner, care that much? I mean, sure, we all we all want the films to be better. We want to go see good movies. We don't want to see shitty films. But I can't believe that the so heads, are they worried that the suits the, care that much? If they stay to status quo, people will stop attending them. That's what they think, but it hasn't happened. No. In fact, people get more defensive. Didn't you see those people trying to shut down Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I um I thought it was funny that uh, there was there was a story this week. Someone um was talking about the Magnificent Seven, and they were saying how Zack Snyder tried to do a magne- uh, a like a Star Wars film. Yeah, Drew McWeeny was- said that. Yeah, was it Drew McWeeny? And he said that uh, that that's what the Justice League film is going to be his his Magnificent Seven film. Yeah, I wonder where he got that information, but I, I believe him if he says it. I remember way back when there was a rumor that Zack Snyder wanted to do a samurai like Star Wars movie, but then the next day he goes, "That is not true." I I don't know where people got that. Oh yeah, that's right. But it was weird when Drew McWeeny brought that up. I was like. Was it tr- kind of true? Like he had the idea, but it never was official or something like that. I don't know. But he's basically I don't talking think about Drew McWeeny would have said it if there wasn't some semblance of truth to it. Yeah, but he was basically talking about how many times the Seven Samurai has been adapted. But I'm sorry, I digress. I took you totally off topic. Oh no, no, it's okay. But basically, the this guy. It's funny that the executive is saying like yeah they could improve somewhat but actually they're not good movies they're just not they're not memorable they're not like you don't leave them going wow i think everybody knows that 
Suicide Squad, we heard after the movie came out that executive actually chopped the shit out of the film and like yeah. rearranged things and they, you know, yeah. got to make this lighter. If you watch the film, if you watch Suicide Squad, Stephen, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it with you. Okay, just make sure. <laughs> I was testing you, Stephen. Come on. You will see that they were like, how do we make this like Guardians of the Galaxy? And they try to make, it seems like they wanted to do their version of Guardians of the Galaxy. The only problem is the movie was a goddamn mess. <laughs> Someone need that guy's eye or that guy's leg. It, the killer croc, they wanted him to be like Drax, you know, right? or okay. even Groot combined. <laughs> yeah. But it just didn't work. I think there are, there are some things in the film where you could see like, there's a movie in here somewhere, but they kind of mess it all up. You know, when, when I actually watched the film, my main negative thing was I thought Jared Leto as the Joker sucked ass. <laughs> and it I even saw people, me. some people oh. said that he was the best thing about the movie. I was like, what freaking movie did you watch? Uh, but it took me a week to watch the uh, Zack Snyder's cut of Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, it is really I long, had to watch it? it in 20 minute increments like serialized <laughs> because I just couldn't take it for longer than 20 minutes. I've heard I haven't seen the director's cut yet, but I've heard it's a lot better than the theatrical. Is it? I, yeah, I actually enjoyed <laughs> the theatrical, you know. I mean, yeah, it is long and it's uh got that weird kind of man and it, the way that Zack Snyder tells stories, you know, the way he does it, I can see why it's very annoying to people. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind a straight narrative story told. Obviously, he's not interested in doing that. But I would love to see a Superman film told like that. I mean, we've gotten that before in the past. Yeah. Um, the main thing about, like, uh, Batman v Superman is that uh, you could see how... It could be really good if they just chilled out. It wasn't so long. They focused more on certain things. It kind of, it, I don't know. Everybody, I, we, we don't want to talk about this movie anymore, but <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like it had, yeah. it looked visually, it looked awesome. Oh, it's gorgeous. And I mean, it's a gorgeous looking film, but, uh, well, yeah. It's like, it's like Bill posted earlier. You know, you guys comment on it was the, the score of it, making it memorable as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's nothing memorable. Like you said, you know, you guys just said, you know, there's nothing real memorable about these guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about Wonder Woman though. That's the thing. After, after the film comes out and you're like, okay, okay. I saw what that was and it's gone. I mean, do I want to see it again? No, or whatever, but Hey, Wonder Woman's coming out. Let's see how that is. You know, it, whenever yeah, yeah. another <laughs> one comes out or like, the this only one, one I don't, I do not give a flying shit about, I don't care at all, is Aquaman. Whenever they show Jason Momoa with that trident, it was like, you look so stupid. <laughs> I don't want to say that to his face, but I'm saying Aquaman's a ridiculous character. He's a side character. I would never buy in a million years an Aquaman comic. Like, ooh, Aquaman, I'm going to buy this issue. I don't think I've ever bought an issue of Aquaman in my life. Yeah, no one's actually yeah. bought an issue of Aquaman. <laughs> and so now you want me to go see an Aquaman movie? That's the funniest part when they're, who is it? Is it Lois Lane? Who's looking at the files of the different characters in Batman v Superman? Yeah. Or is it, uh, it's, uh, Ben Affleck, right? Or somebody. 
there's a, a footage of Aquaman, like they're seeing Aquaman. He's like looking at him. He's holding his he's trident. In a, he's in a boat. Yeah, he's in a boat. He's like in the boat that Jaws sank with the. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> and all of a sudden he goes and swims real fast. Was I supposed to go like, dude, that looks awesome? But instead I was like, oh my God, it's Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, lame sauce. It's interesting that they got the woman that, that made the Eileen Wernos film with Charlize Theron to direct uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like I never would have picked, you know, somebody to, that did such a kind of understated thriller to do a big budget action movie. I know, but you know, I'm glad they got a woman to do it. You know oh yeah, I mean? absolutely. I, the trailer it looks more. Uh, it got me excited. Yeah, and, it know, looks like it's going to be a good film, and yeah, Chris Pine is always good. Now. This is, here's a story that when I see it, it annoys the living shit out of me. Like, you guys know that I see these news stories all the time and just picture me, I'm just like, oh, like I do that sound. This is it. I love the show Jessica Jones on Netflix. I love that. Heather and I binged it over a weekend, but I saw this story headline. Jessica Jones season two is halfway written, says the showrunner. Um, yeah, what do I do with this information? It's halfway written. Come Were they trying to promote excited. Luke Cage premiering later this month? Yeah, why Why doesn't he come back to me and say, we're ready to, <laughs> the show's done. It's going to be released. We're... Why do I want to know it's halfway written? What if George R. R. Martin said that? He's like, you know that book you're waiting for? It's halfway written, almost done. That just annoys the shit out of people. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. We they want to hear when it's done. But uh, here's this guy. Uh, even with Luke Cage just over a week away, fans are anxious to pick up the world left behind by Marvel's Jessica Jones. We'll see the character again in The Defenders, but it seems season two is at least halfway complete in the writer's room, said the showrunner Melissa Rosenberg. Esquire had a chance to catch up with Rosenberg for an update on season two of Marvel's most foul-mouthed defender, revealing, as of August, Rosenberg and her writers are midway through the writing process. The intermediate pr uh, premieres of Luke Cage and the Defenders left more time than usual to plot out the season. I just... Shut up. I don't care. Do you guys care? Don't you... Tell me when... Jessica Jones is done, and it's going to premiere on this date. Right. It's like, yeah. Oh, uh, how's Jessica Jones going? Oh, I'm, I'm typing it right now. I I'll get to you guys in a little bit. <laughs> I, we're thinking about it. Yeah. We're I'm just hashing out episode three, guys. <laughs> it's like, shut up. Now, Bill, I'm so glad you called in, because I want to talk about a certain person. Okay. Uh, and I'm glad you're here. Here's a hint of who I'm going to talk about, okay? Uh I'm going to play you a clip and see which one of the which one of you guys first knows who I'm talking about. Springtime flowers bloom. Yeah, mystery. Do you know who that is, Bill? <laughs> yeah. How can you mistake <laughs> Corey Feldman? Poor Corey Feldman. He was recently on the Today show with his Band, uh, the Angels of something. Yeah, it's a, what's funny is he was on Wife Swap with Tommy Davidson, where they switched wives, 
and he had remember he had the fruititarian girlfriend who all she was fruit <laughs> and all he has living with him is these women who want to be in that band and they dress like angels they wear lingerie on the, around the house all the time that's what they're supposed to wear and they have to do everything Corey says and one of them is to eat a fruit diet <laughs> So anyway, it's really unhealthy. <laughs> so as you guys remember, he performed of that song, Springtime Flowers Bloom for his girl, or no, it was his wife. Springtime flowers bloom. And then she promptly divorced him afterwards because it was so terrible. And do you remember, Bill, one time he performed for Howard in studio with some kind of executive just to see what he thought, you know, like, and they were just, everybody was like, it's it's the worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> and he goes, well, you know, you just have to like this style of music. You know, I can understand if you're just not into it or something like that. It's like, no, you don't understand. You have no talent. <laughs> it was just the meanest shit ever. Like Howard, I think, even took calls where people go, so, hey, dude, what did you think of Corey's music? And Corey Feldman sitting there in the studio is like, dude, you suck. <laughs> So I I vividly remember that because that was that was pure pain. Oh my god, it was. His music is so bad. It's I was so, so embarrassed for him, yet he still just does it anyways. So recently he was on the Today Show with his band. I have no idea why they had him on, but he performed this song, and I'll just kind of play it in the background. the The main thing that's so like embarrassing about it is Corey Feldman's dancing. It's he does this ridiculous because you guys remember he was obsessed with uh, Michael Jackson. Oh yeah, and he's like a marionette on strings. Can you hear this? Was that in sync? Did the uh, marionette on strings dancing? Yeah. And he's like in a hoodie that does him no favors because his face, he looks exactly like he did in Stand By Me in the face, you know? And uh, he's got this hoodie on and it just looks like the kid from Stand By Me singing to me, you know? What was his name in Stand By Me? You guys remember? Shit. No, I don't remember. So as you guys know, it's terrible, right? Oh, I watched it. I have quitted it like the plague. I couldn't bring myself to watch. <laughs> I remember when he did a... He had a band... Remember the... I hate to bring it up because it's so sad. Corey... The core, the two Corys, that's what the right. show was. Him and Corey Haim, who's no longer with us. God rest his soul, Bill. Um, but Corey had, was getting his band together to perform a show. And he was like, we do huge productions. It's like this, this you know, mammoth thing we take on. It's a juggernaut. And it was just like so pretentious, you know, like they you know they had columns and all this shit and they perform and it's just like this incomprehensible music he's like we do these shows that are just like uh legendary man people are talking about them for years so was he promoting like an album release yeah. or yeah he's promoting an album okay here's the thing i'll just kind of turn this down as you guys know youtube comments can be mean right 
So I'm gonna They're scroll... vicious. They're the worst of the worst. I'm going to scroll down and read some of the comments. The first one is pretty funny. This, <laughs> this is the guy that killed Jason Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> and someone else wrote, Jason dug himself another grave after watching this. <laughs> And then someone said, can you imagine him in bars using lines to chicks? Excuse me, I'm Corey Feldman, a child star from the 80s. Go ahead and use your smartphone. Google my name. I'll wait. (laughs) Go for it. And someone said, of course, there has to be a defender. He's married and he has a kid. It's like, oh, okay. Wait. That exempts him from shitty performances? (laughs) Well, it's like they're saying he probably picks up women like this. He wouldn't be picking up women. He's married. I don't know about that. And someone says, I don't understand why everyone is making such a big deal out of this. I see bands and singers that I don't like on TV on a daily basis. Because it's ripe for internet ridicule. That's right. That first comment, you can't get better than that. Poor Jason Voorhees. <laughs> so, and then I read this news, guys. Miley Cyrus defends Corey Feldman. She says, this isn't a cliched line, haters gonna hate, Stephen. Miley Cyrus is the Pink latest... defended ce- him too on Twitter. <laughs> She's the latest celebrity to defend Corey Feldman, whose September 16th performance on the Today Show went viral. And not in a positive way. Corey, I hope you see this. Haters gonna hate. Lovers gonna love. Cyrus wrote on Twitter. Oh, man, she should be a poet of some kind. Or maybe write songs. She should write songs. Thank you and your angels for sharing your music with us. Please enjoy life and continue to make art. She then commended Feldman's courage. And encouraged him to ignore the hurtful comments by uninspired people. The former Goonies in Italic star received extreme backlash on social media after performing the hit song. I added that part. Go for it. <laughs> now, <On> really? <laughs> on the morning show. Feldman said in a since deleted Facebook post, the response had been really painful, adding, we put ourselves out there and we did the best we could. And like, I've never had such mean things said about me. Yeah, I I doubt that. (laughs) Uh, So I want to just say this. It's it's bad as any other song I heard. It's not god awful. I think the thing everyone was making fun of is his marionette dancing like he was on strings (laughs) was hilarious. I Uh, swear to God, that was an in sync video. The best part, though, let's see if I can find this. Uh, I've got to find this. Oh, yeah, here we go. This is the best part of the song where a rapper comes out. They showed today, show me love. And then Corey Feldman's doing some kind of like karate move, and then he does the like Michael Okay, no way, I take it back. This is god awful. <laughs> I tried to be what? nice. The, no, the rap awful. interlude didn't save it? 
No, the rap interlude did not save it. I still like that. This is the guy that killed Jason Voorhees. <laughs> I just pictured that, it's a that's black what, that's what should have been rapped. <laughs> that guy should have came out. This dude killed Jason Voorhees. Yo, man, this this court family. <laughs> you know who this is? This guy killed Jason Voorhees. Damn you! Oh my god, go for it. it. Huh? Remember what? Now, uh. Bill and Steven, this is special news just for us because we're huge fans of this. Dwayne Johnson delivers Jumanji 2 video from the jungle. That's right. Production on the new Jumanji is underway over in the jungle of Hawaii. Kevin Hart, who's also in the film, <laughs> just killed it for me, man. Just posted his first look at our main characters, played by Dwayne Johnson, Karen Gillan, and Jack Black. Now it's Heart Central Intelligence co-stars turn to share behind-the-scenes look at the movie that was initially thought to be a reboot. But guess what, guys? You know what we found out? It's actually a sequel! That's right! In fact, it sounds like it's more of a legacy quill since the movie... What legacy quill? Since the movie will pay tribute to Robin Williams' character in some capacity. In addition, Jumanji 2 has added some new cast members. Like that guy from uh, Flight of the Concords, Reese Darby. Oh, he was um, Simple Simon. No, not Simple Simon. Um, uh, one of the guys from uh, The Boat That Rocked. He was the one that they all picked on. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a funny guy. So, uh, yeah, I would read more of the story, but uh, that's about it, guys. So you... I don't care. Stephen, what? What? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me ask you this, no, guys. i Oh, yeah, there I you desperately go. crave a sequel to Jumanji. After I saw the movie, I was like, God damn, I hope they make another <laughs> one of these. But not with Robin Williams. I mean, I hope he's still alive at the time, but they need to get The Rock in this. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, The Rock was missing. Are you guys a fan of Jumanji? I like it. it yeah, fun. it's not a bad film. It's a fun, it's a fun movie. movie. I always wanted to know more about the game itself. Who made this board game? You know, the, maybe Jumanji that's what they're exploring Creek. in the sequel. And I even liked uh, Zathura. I remember that was a film Emma was obsessed with when she was a lot younger and she'd watch it on a loop. So I would end up watching it. And it's the same thing. It's like yeah, this board game come to life. Of... And it's based on children's books, apparently. Yeah. So whatever. Now, Bill, this story is just for you. Whataburger versus Wonder Woman. Dawn of logo theft. <laughs> that was a funny Wait, this is... This is a thing? Yes. The burger chain isn't happy with the superhero's new symbol. And perhaps the most unlikely superhero villain rivalry of all time. Uh, is this guy a little overblown in his writing? Maybe. <laughs> Wonder Woman is going toe-to-toe with the Texas-based burger chain Whataburger. Or Whataburger. When I was a kid, I thought everyone was saying Whataburger. Let's go to Whataburger. It's like, wait, they soak it in water? Nasty. In this case, the conflict has nothing to do with fighting crime or saving citizens from imminent disaster. Instead, the two are duking it out over trademark infringement. The Houston Chronicle reports the San Antonio-based burger chain and DC Comics are currently involved in what the chain terms as a friendly trademark discussion regarding Wonder Woman's recently redesigned W logo. Whataburger's been using its signature orange flying W logo to sell burgers, fries, and shakes since 1972. Wonder Woman's original logo, trademarked in 1985, was strikingly similar to Whataburger's, 
But apparently Whataburger didn't take issue with the logo's similarity until just recently when DC Comics revealed a new version of the logo ahead of the new movies set to be released in 2017. While it uses the same stacked W shape, this one actually seems less similar to Whataburger's. Yeah, it doesn't. Does that look like it? No. Not really. It seems doubtful that anyone will mistake Wonder Woman movie posters for Whataburger ads without the signature orange. The real issue seems to be that while Wonder Woman logo was previously used to sell comic books, now it's preparing to tread into new territory, including a slew, I like this word, a slew of food and beverage products, which could create confusion. Oh, yeah, it's so confusing. Wait, wait, the Wonder Woman, is she a Whataburger? I don't understand. Why doesn't Whataburger just try to team up with Wonder Woman and and sell burgers? I know. What the hell? And somebody said Amazon burger or something, you know, someone uh, apparently Weezer had the cover of their album with the big W on it. And someone tweeted. Oh, yeah, the new Weezer Whataburger movie is coming out. (laughs) If a court battle were to ensue, one of the parties could eventually be barred from using their logo. So anybody that uses a W is now subject to Whataburger's wrath. What's funny is the guy is very serious, very dramatic in his writing, but it said that officially they are in... Friendly trademark discussions. Right. So it doesn't sound like they're like pissed at each other, does it? They're they're still looking for cash. Whataburger's looking to cash in on the Disney on the uh, movie franchise that's going to come out. It wants to. I could see that. Go to Whataburger and get your official Wonder Woman cup. Right. Yeah. Oh man, I just drank. Why wouldn't that be the friendly version of? trademark infringement you know it's like mm-hmm. I, they're not even that close like the person said orange w that's whataburger like anything else wonder woman doesn't look like the orange whatever and I, whataburger is such a limited brand i mean yeah. it's it's in the south and is it on the west coast it goes uh as far as i know there's it's in arizona i don't think it's in new mexico um, yeah, like growing up on the East Coast and the Central United States, there's no Whataburgers. Yeah, I don't think it's it's not in California at all, is it? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Well, guys, that was my final news story. So now I like to do what's called reading Rotten Tomatoes. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Bill, the <laughs> Magnificent <laughs> Seven came out. It's a brand new movie. <laughs> original in every way it's got a 64 yeah. percent fresh that's not terrible it means it's good <laughs> it's directed by antoine fuku oh wait <laughs> fuqua anton fuqua um it was written co-written by nick pizzolato who you guys know is the true detective guy from HBO. oh it's starring Denzel Washington, Ethan Hawke, Chris Pratt, Vincent D'Onofrio, Peter Sarsgaard is the asshole bad guy. So let's see some of the reviews, okay? And I've got like an air bubble in my chest. I'm trying to get rid of it. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was successfully expelled. I I I'm gonna apologize to everyone for that. I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah, there we go. That's worse than the one I did. 
Okay. Amy Nicholson of MTV says, Fook use. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> fook, fookwa. Fook, fook, uh, fook. By the way, I've never really liked this director. He always no. does. It's the look of his films are supposed to be gorgeous, like cinematography or whatever, but it's always just something about it. I mean, Training Day is a good movie, but Anton Fuqua, I think what's the first movie he did, or at least the one I remember, is Replacement Killers. I mean, he's fine, but he's never done great movies or anything, and I think I'm wrong about uh, Replacement Killers, aren't I? No, he did Replacement Killers. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Fuqua's made two clean piles separating good and evil, and in doing so, he's thrown away the film's point. Okay. Brian Lowry of CNN says, Inevitably, the movie spends a lot of time getting ready for the climactic showdown, but it's so chaotic and protracted as to lose much of its punch. I give it no stars. And a rotten splat. But Pete Travers of Rolling Stone says, Oh boy! If the sight of Denzel Washington guns blazing and saddled up for his first Western doesn't get your pulse racing, read elsewhere. Dumb. Wow. I would like to just do a reading of Peter Travers' reviews (laughs) on Rotten (laughs) Tomato and see if he actually ever gives anything a rotten. Bob Mondello, Bill. You know who that is, right? Oh, he's a huge reviewer. If body count is what you go to Westerns for, by all means, drift into this one's corral. I like how he says corral. Why wouldn't he say saloon? <laughs> Adam, his Hollywood saloon. Adam Graham, magnificent, is pushing it. But the Magnificent Seven, the latest spin on the classic outlaw tale, comes in what, Stephen? It comes in what? Predict what he's going to say. Seventh. No, it oh. comes in. <laughs> it comes in seventh. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, are you saying for like the weekly total or the seventh version of this film <laughs> no, that's been made? It's, it's a Western. It's got guns in it. It comes in guns. Blazing. Yeah. This yeah. is the seventh best version of Seven <laughs> yes, Samurai. Exactly. This comes in seventh <laughs> in the I'm... top ten this week. <laughs> <laughs> This is Casey Kasem, and coming in seventh on the top ten. Okay, my favorite reviewer, Robert Levin, whoever that was. Wait, who was that? I don't know. He works for Oh my god, I just saw his picture. AM New York. That looks like a a fake picture. Things couldn't possibly seem more wheezy and tired than they do when played out in a narrative framework that had already run its course by the time Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen took it on in 1960. Wow. He seems grumpy, doesn't he? He looks grumpy. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> Eric Estrada of Cinegarage. Wait, Eric Estrada? <laughs> I know, that's the best website t- thing I've ever seen. Cinegarage. An action movie is chaotic fun. And you can read the full review in Spanish. Since I can't read Spanish, I'll have to skip it. No offense. I just can't read it. Are his testicles enlarged? (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. Only if I can rub your testicles. (laughs) No, that's not the right drop, Foggy. Jesus. He's slipping. Oh, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) One of my 
testicles has enlarged. <laughs> that goes in the TMI category. Now, guys, I just want to know what... I'm just glad that he's reviewing films. <laughs> I want to know what Richard Von Busack thought of the movie. <laughs> the talkative script keeps reiterating what we're seeing. Dang it, I'm good, Pratt says, feeling good about himself once again. I sense we are bonding, we hear, as the seven men bond, masticating cheroots and cigars. Is that, uh, what is that word? Cheroot. Cheroot. And cigars, they don't seem to want to smoke. Well, the cheroot so they're is just a chewing cigar, on them? so he's kind of... I guess so. Kirk Baird of the Toledo Blade. Fuqua isn't interested in the contemporary Western. His Magnificent Seven is a throwback to those decades-old films that informed him as an impressionable and young filmmaker. But to live in history invites comparisons to what was. I have no Wait, idea. did he... So, it, he's not interested in in old westerns, but it's a callback to old westerns? I, I, I don't... I can't decipher what he just said. Another, David Stratton says, politically bizarre, the film is competent, but routine. Okay. So that could also be a review for Donald Trump. <laughs> the idea, oh, John Louie says, the idea of a team of outlaws recruited to protect the innocent has been replayed so often in so many genres, science fiction, science fiction, war action, and most notably, the Magnificent Seven feels less like a remake and more like just a repeat. <laughs> that was harsh. Yeah, it was. So what do you guys think? Do you want to see it? I think it could be fun, but I don't expect to go out of the film going, I can't wait to own this on Blu-ray. You know, it would just be kind of like get a bucket of popcorn and uh, that kind of thing. It's a Saturday afternoon to get out of the sun. Exactly. The snob in me says let's just watch seven samurai again or put on uh takashi mike's uh 13 assassins oh yeah and i've never seen that bill oh it's so good he sets up the villain in that so well because it just you just absolutely despise that son of a bitch by the end of it Oh, it's got the, like that perfect bad guy. Yeah, it's it's so, and it's so cathartic whenever he finally like the the fighting st finally starts because it takes like a good ninety minutes of just character building until the shit hits the fan. Nice. You almost get impatient, like you get like ants in your pants while you're watching it because you're just waiting for the shit to hit the fan, and he just drags it out and makes you miserable basically. Wow. Yeah, it's a really, really good film. Now, Bill, do you have any interest in seeing Bridget Jones's baby? No. Oh, okay. Well, what did Peter Travers have to say about it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I could find what he said about it. it has I got it! I got it! Oh, nice! Read it for me. It sounds god-awful in title and concept, but which in execution is a fizzy delight! Oh, what? a fizzy delight. I want to see something that's fizzy. He gave it a three out of four stars. Nice. I could honestly oh. just Peter Travers reviews all night long. <laughs> just read <laughs> petertravers.com. Wow. So I guess 
you know, that's it on Rotten Tomatoes, unless you can think of another film that you're interested in seeing. You know, we've got The Storks, whatever that is. It's a kid's movie. The Dressmaker. Goat. What is Goat? Oh, that's a foreign film, isn't it? <laughs> Whenever I click on... Oh, okay. Whenever I hover over Goat on Rotten Tomatoes, it shows the poster for uh, Beauty and the Beast, but... Oh, yeah, it was that for a second until I refreshed. So, Goat is the movie with one of the Jonas Brothers, which means it's gotta be good. Hey, Bill, wanna do DVDs? <laughs> DVDs? Is that something that I'm not aware DVDs. of? DVDs. <laughs> yes. Hey, Bill, wanna do DVDs? Why yes. do you do like that? Do. <laughs> Hey, do Bill, want to do DVDs? <laughs> do. <laughs> well, let's get some DVDs, Bill, and then we could uh, wrap up the show. What do you say? Let's do it. <laughs> let's do DVDs. <laughs> oh, my God. This dog has been driving us crazy, Bill. I had the crazy idea that, hey, I know. Let's just have the back door closed so she can't go outside and bark. But all she did is go, <laughs> Like at the door, I'm like, ah. What if you just left her outside? Would she just bark the entire time? Yeah. Yes, and then she would scratch on the door to one end. Oh yeah, that's not good. There's, it's a no-win scenario. All right, Bill, Stephen, what do you guys say? We do some DVDs. Let's do some DVDs. Let's do it. Oh hell yizzle the DVD dizzles Thick and fudgy Alright Bill what do we have in the DVDs this week? All right, DVDs for September 27th, 2016. I don't want to sort the. Okay, let me resort them, sorry. There we go. Uh, starting off with the 35th anniversary Blu-ray of An American Werewolf in London. Nice! I was just thinking about that movie. And do you know why? That weird fever dream he has in that, where the Nazi demons come to his door. Do you remember that? Speaking of weird fever dreams, I don't know what's going on with me, but last night I had one of the creepiest dreams and it stuck with me all day. So our bed is next to a window and I had the dream and it was one of those like half awake dreams that some guy was trying, was climbing up on our, uh, we have this thing that we keep our firewood, like a log rack. Right. So I see him climb up on the log rack and jump into the window trying to break through it. I'm in bed. I put my feet up against the window to try to prevent him from breaking through the window. And then just as he breaks through the window, I wake up. Whoa. <laughs> and when I wake up, of course, I'm staring right at the window that I was just trying to prevent from breaking. That's creepy. What that means, I have no idea, but it is stuck with me all day long. Well, like, if you analyze stuff like that, is it about you're worried about protecting 
your home or you're worried about someone invading your space, your I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. Invading your safety, maybe? I don't know. Invading my safety? I don't know. I just I just know it was one of the creepiest feelings in the world to wake up to. So there, there's a fever dream for you. Now, are you guys John Landis fans? Back in the day, he did some great films, yeah. didn't he? He's kind of a weirdo otherwise. <laughs> I think that Twilight Zone incident kind of ruined his life. Right, yeah. You know, but... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot all about that death. The whole Vic Morrow thing. But you know what? The um, the howling is... Uh, wait, or did you say American Werewolf in London? I'm sorry. I don't know why I said the howling. Uh, American Werewolf in London is a great film that I watch whenever it's on. It's yeah, really it's fantastic. messed up, but it's so... The effects and everything, or Mary Griffin Dunn's character, yeah. how he's dis- decomposing throughout the entire film. I, I did sneak into the Whoa! theater when I was a kid. To see that? Uh-huh. What did you think of that scene where he has the fever dream, where he's watching the Muppets, and all of a sudden the doorbell, ding do. do you remember that? And they open the door, and there's these demon Nazis, and they mow his whole family down, and then they cut his throat. And then he goes, oh, and he wakes yeah. up. And the nurse is like, are you okay? And she goes to open the wind, the curtains of the window, and there's a friggin' demon Nazi there, and he starts stabbing <laughs> her. And then he wakes up again, and he's like, holy shit! Like, that's a really bad dream. Yes. <laughs> Where you wake up a from dream the dream. Dream in a and, dream. Yeah, dream in a dream. I think other movies stole it since then. But is this like a special uh, print of of the movie, Bill? That's what I'm trying to find out. It's a 35th anniversary edition, and Blu-ray.com isn't listing anything that's special about it other than, you know, 1080p, DTS HD Master 5.1. So it's obviously been remastered. I don't know if they went back and uh, did, like, a, another scan of the original or what, but, uh, it oh, it's a restored edition. So, yeah, it is restored. Oh, nice. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. Oh, is that a werewolf, I guess? And werewolf's bark, Stephen? Well, they're in the dog family, so... <laughs> oh, there's a werewolf. There it is. I thought that was Baby. <laughs> That's a beagle. I guess dogs are in the wolf family. I want to see a movie with, like, a were-beagle. All right, Bill, what else we got? Uh, next we have Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, Criterion Edition. Oh my god, this has been on, like, Cinemax. I remember one time Heather was watching, I was like, what the hell are you watching, lady? And it was... I'm watching Roger Ebert's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. (laughs) Loves it when you're corny. Excuse me? Oh, man, it's, it's not a good movie, guys. It's really Criterion weird. apparently thinks it's worth it, but they also released The Rock and Armageddon. Yikes. Hungry enough to chew the crotch out of a ragdoll. Uh, this is awesome. Shout Factory has released Bill and Ted's most excellent collection on Blu-ray. Nice. So we've got the uh, remastered versions of uh, Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. No way. And some people shit on Bogus Journey, but I thought Bogus Journey was really good. I think it's it's like uh it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of originality to it. It's I, super goofy. Yeah, I can't hear anybody say like station without me going station. Station. Yeah. No way. 
uh, Heather actually watched that recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I was at the computer. I was looking over my shoulder, watching it the whole time. And, uh, uh, oh, don't blink on his name. The guy who plays Death, Bill William Sadler. Sadler. Bill Sadler is great in that as Death. Remember how he keeps yeah. making him play games and they have to beat him and they keep beating him. He goes, no, again, you know, like checkers. three out of five. Yeah. Best three out of five. And they're like, oh, come on. And he's like, uh, they play clue. It's you know? <laughs> um, a really funny movie. It's got a lot of funny ideas. I really, when I'm watching it, what I feel like is they sat around for like a year coming up with ideas and they try to put all the ideas in the movie and it's got a lot of crazy ideas in it. You know, it's right. very inventive and creative. Some people may just think it's like, what is going on in this movie with station and all that stuff. And, but I think it's funny. It's a funny movie. Yeah. I, if, uh, if I would have known about this earlier, I probably would have pre-ordered it. Steve, it's Ted. Let me help you. <laughs> oh, what about Bill? <laughs> Steve, it's me, Ted. I'm looking at I didn't know there Bill. was a Steve in that. <laughs> it's still one of the greatest episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 ever. Totally. Incredible Melting Man is one of the ones that I put on and just laugh my ass off at. All right. Next, we have Cell on Blu-ray. Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy Piggy, Ziggy Piggy. <laughs> Yes, that's right, Bill. I'm sorry I got totally distracted by that. What's fine. I love it? a Ziggy Piggy. I want to go to the Ziggy Piggy. I was so jealous of Napoleon. He ate that whole thing. As a kid, <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to eat the pig. So what film did you just mention, Bill? Cell. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yikes. Cell. The Stephen King adaptation, Bill, um, I remember it not getting a very good rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I I'm can just... imagine. I mean, the book wasn't great. It was a it was a mediocre at best Stephen King book, but it had some wonderful character moments. And I mean, I read the shit out of it, but that's just okay. because the book, the movie starring John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. 8% rotten. I remember at the opening weekend, it was 0% rotten. But it says three fresh reviews, 37 rotten. That's hardcore. Pete Travers says, <laughs> <laughs> all I have is Owen. It's Owen a fizzy delight. <laughs> Owen Gleiberman says, what makes this movie about a zombie attack different from any other movie about a zombie attack? Nothing, but it's, in, but it's ineptitude. Oh, wow. But somebody, David Aldridge, said, slickly made, worth the watch. But he's, no. Another terrible film of 2016 that not even Stephen King's name can save. Wow. I'm going to see if, uh, no, there's no, there's, I can't see the back of it. Damn it. I want to see the back of it just to see who's quoted on it. Oh, I know. Richard Roper says, not a polished work of filmmaking. Some of the nighttime scenes are so poorly lit, it's difficult to tell what's happening. The editing is ragged and adds to the confusion. More than a few of the supporting performances are embarrassingly amateurish. 
So do you think John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson signed up for a big budget version with Eli Roth? Then that got canceled or whatever, and right. then they did the straight to video kind or something. I don't know. Yep, they were locked into it. They were still promised their paychecks probably, and they just did it. Yep. They were in a great Stephen King adaptation that I was surprisingly, uh, I surprisingly enjoyed called 1408 about yeah. the writer who spends the night in a haunted mm-hmm. hotel room. I think that's a really good movie. It's based on the short story by Stephen King. And I think that's the best kind of stories to adapt because you can add more to it, you right. know? Yeah. Like, I mean, some of the best Stephen King films were based on his short stories. Right. Dogs driving me crazy. So what is, what is, is there anything special about this Blu-ray? Is it just the movie? And no, the- they're just trying to get the movie out there. They need <laughs> to make their money back. Yeah. Someone, someone stupid will buy it. Most people will probably rent it from Redbox. I don't, yeah, I don't see this going well for anybody. Can you shut the door? Just let's lock her out. She's, it's a nightmare. You know what's funny is you need to start adding 4K Blu-ray to the uh, DVD song because oh, wow. we're we're getting a lot of those releases now because next we have Central Intelligence on Blu-ray and 4K Blu-ray. Central Intelligence. Remind me what that is. That is the film starring The Rock and Kevin Hart. <laughs> the new great comedy duo. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. You know, quotations or whatever. They're like the new Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. He's a covert intelligence operator, you idiot. Oh, sorry. Um, this looked terrible. And wasn't The Rock, they did this unstable. It's so funny to put an actor who's in shape and muscular in fat makeup, in a fat suit. He was one time he was fat. Look at him now. It's not funny. He was in Glee Club, remember, and remember, he could sing. Yeah, remember that movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds where he was a fat guy, yeah. and then mm. he got he got good looking or whatever. And uh, remember, oh, uh, uh, in um, uh, Dodgeball the movie, yeah, uh, Ben Ben Stiller Ben Stiller's character gets really fat. Well, and he it, was fat, got in shape, got in fat. At the very end of the movie, he's in all this fat makeup, his fat suit. And he's singing the milkshake song, yeah. and it's supposed to be funny, but instead, oh, it's, it's hilarious. It's not Painful. funny at all, and it's just poor taste. And it's he's like, I got a chicken leg while he's doing it because you know, fat people they carry, you know, chicken, chicken leg. legs with them everywhere they go, and they. Well, I know when I was seven hundred pounds, I would just carry rotisserie chickens around with me at all times. Yeah, I think he even dips it like in ice cream before he takes a bite of it because you know he's. Uh, it's so bad. I will admit to putting peanut butter on my fried chicken. Yum. That's such it, a low common denominator, though. Like, hey, let's put the rock in a fat suit. It's brilliant. Come on. I mean, come on. It's the rock, and he's in a fat suit. Bread makes you fat? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Central Intelligence. I'll probably never watch it. Is it is that on uh, some kind of like, you know, Criterion or something? Oh uh, yes, yes. Criterion <laughs> loves the uh, buddy comedies. He was my fat ass okay. Oh holy shit! This one, this 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 is a surprising release. Uh, Chopping Mall on Blu-ray. Wow, I have seen that film. 
but I saw it like when I was a teenager, man. Holy shit. That's been a long time. Customer's always an asshole. <laughs> Chopping mall. I love it. There's even I, the part, the movie dates itself, where the guy goes, let's go send them a Rambo Graham. And he goes, and pumps a shotgun. <laughs> Talk about dating a movie. What's great is this is yes. part of that, I know. Uh, that new Vestron video uh, releasing. Yeah. So it like, uses the old Vestron video logo and all that. Uh, and it's their first release, so it's it uses the uh, the old cover art of like the VHS and nice. Yeah, now it sounds really like Marcel's cool. chopping up a body in an ice machine. Okay, you know what's funny about the robots in that they look so cheap. <laughs> They're like these big plastic, you know, bodies with like the red eye thing. They just look so bad. Was yeah. there? Steven, was there a little person driving a go-kart inside those things? Probably. I knew it. It's Willow. <laughs> Willow? <laughs> it's Willow. Little midget swirling inside there. <laughs> exactly. That's the best way for uh, for large animated robots to always just use little people. Hey, let's get that little Willow dude. <laughs> He can drive this shit around the mall. <laughs> Is Kenny Baker available? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, we lost him. No. Chill out, R2. Did you find him yet? No, we lost him oh. forever, Bill. Oh, oh, god damn it. Like it's R2-D2. This <laughs> <laughs> like R2-D2, man. He is in a, um, uh, I couldn't think of anything other than junkyard. <laughs> He's a junkyard in the He's, sky. He's a junkyard in the sky. R2 will always be with us, and we'll always think of Candy Bates. He's with the Jawas now. He's in the Jawa. Yeah. <laughs> He's polished and perfectly clean like the end of A New Hope. He's in the eternal oil bath. Yes. All right, next we have the Criterion release of Decalogue. The what? The, like, the 12-part film from uh, Krzysztof Kieslowski. Did you ever see this? No. Like, in your, in your art snob, art film snob days? <laughs> no, it's called Decalogue. Or I think it's 10 parts. It, it goes by the Ten Commandments as, like, a theme for each film. How many is a Deca, Bill? That's 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it's I thought. Ten films, the I ten didn't want to say like uh, say I, it and then. Be but it wrong. feels like twelve films. Ten people you'll meet in hell. Yikes! So, what is the Decalogue about? I will tell you this: I own the Blu-ray. I never watched it. Cool. <laughs> you will tend your words with more care in my presence. I never watched. It was it was in those days. Where I've seen his films. The red. Red, white, and blue films. Oh, oh, is this the same guy? Same guy, yeah. Oh, he's a pretentious fuck, isn't he? Yes, he's a hugely pretentious. I mean, come fuck. on. <laughs> Excuse my language, Steve. <laughs> I cut his Achilles tendon. I'll never forget. I, I might have talked about this on the show. One time, Heather and I, we were very early in our relationship. We'd get invited to parties when it still had 
friends back in the day. We went over to this party with people we didn't know. It was a friend of a friend. And there was this guy who was in film school. It was his parents' house. And I, we were in the backyard, you know, smoking cigarettes or whatever, drinking, so cool. got some wire, wine coolers, whatever. Were they cloves? <laughs> I think I had Marlboros, but the, Aww. this guy who was in film school, you know, I was really excited. God, this, I want to do what this guy's doing. I want to be Sam Raimi. I want to be James Cameron. And I was like, so who's your favorite director? And he kind of just kind of looks at me and it's kind of like, he probably had a clove. I'm going to say he had a clove bill. And he had a beret on, and he looks over. I think over that's it. that's a safe bet. And if if it was if you were talking to him now, he would have a Pabst Blue Ribbon in his hand. And he looked over at me. He's like, "My favorite filmmaker? You mean who inspires me?" Oh man! I was like, "Yeah, who inspires you?" And he's like, "The films of Jim Jarmusch." <laughs> <laughs> Not Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. And he went on to talk about the works of Jim Jarmusch. And I was just kind of like standing there, like not saying anything, going, this guy's a total douche nozzle. <laughs> it's like, I never hey, want to be this guy. I loved Ghost Dog. I wanted him to go, uh, have you ever seen Decalogue? <laughs> Have you ever seen Red, Hot, and Blue, or whatever they, what are they called? Did you say Red, Hot, and Blue? I think that's a barbecue restaurant, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. Okay, I've got to give Jim Jarmusch one thing. I, I liked Ghost Dog Way the Samurai. Jim Jarmusch? Yeah, no, nothing against uh, him. Just Thought the way the name Broken was Flowers with Bill Murray was good. Or as I call him, Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch. I think that's more appropriate. There's no, it's not like his name has two O's in it. But ever since that incident, you know, here, what I, I'm 44 years old and I still go, Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> Just because you meet a douchebag and it changes your life forever, you know? It does. He's just, I hope I'm never like that guy. He's quite the douchebag. Um, next, we have a strictly 4K Blu-ray release, Ooh. and that is the harrowing film Everest. Ooh, Everest. This thing has been on HBO a lot lately. Yeah. I've caught Natalie watching it a couple times. and it's, This is pretty much the worst video ever made. It's a painful film to watch because you're just screaming at the TV, like, stop being so stupid. Right. Is it like they could have gotten out of there, but they yeah. wanted to climb the top kind yeah, of thing? Just an idiot. It's not even that. The thing is, you can get to the top. The The thing that kills them is the way down. I and it's, jump on mountain it's just, it's it the entire time I'm watching it going, why would you do this other than just being an immense douchebag with too much money? Like, that's essentially what it is. If you want to climb these mountains, you're putting the lives of these Sherpas at risk. You're putting your own life at risk. And it's all for, like, a, a glory, a, a, a hunt for glory. How much does a Sherpa get paid? A Sherpa doesn't get paid shit. Oh. they The charting of it, roughly, they said, costs about 50 grand to climb per person. But the Sherpa just gets paid pennies or... Goats. They just live there, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's um Is the movie well made though? Uh you know what? There's moments of it where you're like, ooh, that's some bad CGI, but um I'm wondering why I want to see a movie with this tragedy. It's like this new film with uh uh Mark Wahlberg where he li- he's on an offshore uh, offshore offshore oil rig. Oh yeah, that uh um, everyone's gonna die and blow up and catch on fire. Do I want to see horizon? That? Yeah, do we want to see that? I mean, it looks well made. I like made that and I just called it Event Horizon, and you glossed over it. Yeah. <laughs> so let me in the freaking house. I do want to Event Horizon. Now that's a good film, right? <laughs> Yikes! I saw that in the theater, man. I'll never forget. After we went somewhere with Bill Pally, like we went to a hockey game or something, we went home. We took. We went back to their house, and we were gonna, you know, I was gonna have a beer or something. This back when I drank, I think, and then I was gonna go home. He's like. Dude, you guys can't go anywhere. You gotta see this movie. <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh yeah? What? Event Horizon. Have you ever seen it? I was like, no. And he goes, you gotta see it, dude. This movie's badass. And I'm like, all right. Sam Neill. Awesome. So he puts it on and I was, I was literally like n- nodding where my head's doing the dip. Like, <laughs> hey, dude, you enjoying the movie? Uh huh. Yeah. Ooh, good, good fell. And uh, the next day, he's like, man, I'm sorry, I could tell you weren't digging it. I was like, no, it's great, man. I was just tired, dude. <laughs> no, the movie's terrible. <laughs> I was just thinking about watching Alien. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that is the movie you think that... Uh, is awesome. Is awesome. These sad events have obviously taken that toll. Dude, the wormhole is hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Dude, it's a twist, man. It's hell, yo. Some scary shit, yo. They opened up hell, and Sam Neill went crazy. <laughs> Yikes. I think this next Blu-ray is going to excite you. See, we gotta let the dog in now. Okay. I'm so sorry. And then when she comes in, just shut it on her. I mean, shut it as soon as she gets in, so... Get in here, baby. You opened the door so weird, Stephen. <laughs> Baby, hey, okay, Bill. I'm so sorry. Can you it say makes, that again? It makes less noise, I think. I don't know if it does or not, but Stephen has a method to his madness. Yes, yes. Uh, so this next Blu-ray is going to excite you, um, because they went through a lot of trouble to remaster this sucker, and uh, it even got a theatrical release. I don't think it was anywhere near any of us. But it got a really nice 4K re-release, and that's Highlander on Blu-ray. I uh-huh. want this, Bill. Yeah, the 30th anniversary edition of Highlander. I want this so bad. I think it's going to be awesome. Now, if I buy it on regular Blu-ray, is it still going to look better than it's ever looked in a long time? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want. You smell like a dung heap. Okay, I'm not sure why that was necessary. Yep, so it's the uh, the new 4K restoration completed by uh, Studio Canal and Park Circus. I'm a man, not a fish. Uh, we've got a making of. We've got deleted scenes. That's cool. We've got interviews with uh, Russell Mulcahy. And Happy Halloween, ladies. And Christopher Lambert. Uh, Lambert. I just want to say something about Russell Mulcahy. 
he never directed a film as good as he directed Highlander. <laughs> it's true. It's his masterpiece. It is. And unfortunately, that was it for him. Yeah, he did some other movies like Ricochet. He did some oh, other movies. Wow, he, he did Ricochet? Before he made Highlander, he made a film called Razorback that I think is uh, pretty good, too. Oh, yeah, the Australian Crazy Boar movie. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, he's just had a string of, like, not great movies. He did Resident Evil Extinction. But now he's doing TV shows. Was Ricochet the one with Denzel Washington and John Lithgow? Yes. Okay. A great movie with, uh, remember, uh, John Lithgow plays this horrible person. With your wife's pubic hair. Wait, that, 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 um, that, that, that needs to be a quote on every box of a John Lithgow film. <laughs> John Lithgow plays a horrible person. I hope you remember to floss. <laughs> That's the best part of Ricochet. There's a part where John Lithgow's character is going to go for his parole board, parole, you know, parole hearing, and he's, uh, brushing his teeth or whatever, and the guard goes, I hope you remember to floss. And he turns around and he goes, I did, with your wife's pubic hair. <laughs> Who writes this dialogue? <laughs> that, guy, that guy's hardcore. He really is. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> but yeah, Highlander, It's he's never topped it. It's a great film. I won't talk about Highlander to the quickening, which is the worst film ever made <laughs> in the history of cinema. The most disappointing moment I've ever had in a movie theater, ever. <laughs> I've never been more heartbroken than Highlander 2, The Quickening. I just... I don't think I've mercy. ever been more heartbroken in the cinema as when I saw Caddyshack 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so I think, you know, Highlander 2, Caddyshack 2... Yeah, it's pretty much shitty sequels, but Highlander, I love it. I've seen it so many times. It's got the awesome Michael Kamen score, but it's also got the Queen music in it. You know? I could do a commentary to that movie just where I'm like, look at this shot here. Look at this camera. This is before they had drone cameras filming everything, right? Yeah. How did they do this? You know, it's just. It would be like uh, Roger Ebert's commentary for Dark City. Just yeah. gushing the entire time. The transitions in Highlander are so awesome. There's one where, you know, they're in the the Loch Ness or whatever. You know, they're in the lake. And then the camera pans down and it cuts to the freaking aquarium in his apartment and the bubbles going up. It's so awesome the way they do all those. I'm just going to let that sit in. Your excitement's infectious. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And uh, guys, this is the first time. Well, actually, I believe Clancy Brown was in Buckaroo Banzai first, but come on, the Kurgan? Happy Halloween, ladies. He's like the best, one of the best <laughs> villains ever, isn't he? Yes. I just love that Absolutely. part where somebody, he's listening to the radio. He's driving, jamming to Queen in his car, and the radio goes, uh, someone is wanted and questioning uh, for a man being beheaded in a parking lot. No one knows who he is. And he goes, I know his name. And this is like his introduction. You're like, who the hell's this guy? You know, <laughs> it's awesome. Hey, Rockefeller. Do you remember that? 
Don't ever say my name again. He's fantastic. Um, next we have the Shallows on Blu-ray and 4K Blu-ray. Ooh, this is the shark movie. A million pounds of tube steak. No, not no, a not sewer that. shark. <laughs> there needs to be a sewer shark movie, though. I heard this movie is actually good. Yeah, I I wonder what Peter Travers has to say about it. Like a rock. Yeah, what does Peter Travers have to say about the Shallows? <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to look that up. The Shallows, 2016. It's a fizzy our... delight. <laughs> it's a blood fizzy delight. Um, he gave Peter it three Tra- stars. Blake Lively finds herself stranded in shark-infested waters in this summer's movie Nailbiter. Who doesn't want to see a hot blonde in a bikini get attacked by a great white shark? That kind of crass Hollywood thinking is all you need to spawn a summer throwaway like The Shallows. It's one of those movie titles that serves as as its own review. But while this nail-biter sure as hell ain't swimming in the classic waters of Jaws, it gets the jolting job done. Oh, okay. nice. Says enough right there in the first paragraph, right? Yeah. I don't think you need to go any further. Yeah. I'd like to see it. I'll see it It on HBO. Oh, you saw it? Mm -hmm. Cool. I mean, I'll see it when it's like on cable. You know what? I'm bored. You didn't see it with Jason, did you, Steven? No. Okay. It's like, I was was bored. I was bored out of (laughs) town in Chicago and I went and saw it. I'm still looking for Peter Trevor's review. (laughs) Oh. It's a cake boss shark. <laughs> it's all patently ridiculous, but Blake Lively, director Call Out Sarah, and a digital shark show no mercy in hooking us with the B movie tension and we bite. A shark fart. <laughs> shark fart. <laughs> I would see a movie just about shark farts. Yeah, that'd be cool. A lot of bubbles, I guess. All right, what do we have next? Oh, uh, Criterion's releasing just the straight Valley of the Dolls, too. Oh, great. Yes, there you go. There's something about old films where the color is kind of bleeding, where it makes my stomach hurt. I don't like it. it makes me Really? Nauseous. It makes me nauseous and kind of disturbed. What do you what think? It kind of that, that, that pastel-y kind yeah. of yeah, uh, look to it. I don't like it. I, I can understand like that. I don't like old movies. That Art it's not, Deco kind of look. It's not to visually it. satisfying. Yeah, not visually stunning at all. All right. Well, let's get into something visually stunning yet lacking substance. Uh, <laughs> Warcraft. Ooh, it looks stunning. Stephen and I saw Warcraft, Bill. So now we you you've got the options, man. You got Warcraft on Blu-ray. You've got Warcraft on 3D Blu-ray. You've got Warcraft on 4K Blu-ray. Oh, I don't want to own it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I will say this about it, and I said it after we saw the film: is that all of the orc stuff I liked, the human stuff just looks ridiculous, doesn't it? They right. look like they're on sets. They're in period costumes. It doesn't come across as it's not working. But the CGI orc stuff is awesome. Yeah. But if you buy it at Best Buy, you get over 30 minutes of exclusive bonus content. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, Okay. I'm buying it, Steven. All right. I knew that would sell you. And what else we got? (laughs) 
Well, that's W, so that's it for this week. Awesome. Which one of those are you going to pick up, Steven? All of them. <laughs> nice. What the hell, man, right? It's just money, right? <laughs> it's just money. It's just money. It's jump change. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Bill, thank you so much for doing the DVDs this week. You're welcome. Where's the super chicken? Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And Adama. All right, everybody. That was our show. That was ETL News. And Bill did some DVDs. That was awesome, Bill. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I know you're busy like every week. I say just whenever you're available, if say we're doing the show, just call in whenever you can if you want to. Just Absolutely. Just I, I miss it. You know, I love that you just, I mean, just call in, we'll do some DVDs or talk about whatever, like the Corey Feldman thing. That was like old times. You remember when we used to cover the two Corys? That was actually a good show. I remember enjoying the two Corys. I remember when he called his, uh, Corey Haim called his wife a bitch and he was like, that is my wife. You remember that? And they would yeah. get in these fights. Season one was more goofy and stage, but then season two, they went serious. Yeah. Like, Corey Haim has a drug problem. He's now seeing a therapist and all that stuff. It was so weird how they're like, this isn't working. We got to try something else. Yeah, he's always been more terrible. <laughs> yeah. He's poor, gotta, and poor guy. You gotta, like, he's trying so hard to make music, but the music is just not, not there. He's been trying to make music for like 20 years, 30 years, maybe? He's got five albums out. Oh, my God. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord, man. Can we like, Stephen, Corey Feldman album. There you go. I know what you're getting for Christmas. No, I don't want it. I don't want that in my house. I'm so going to buy that for your birthday. (laughs) Keep it out of my house. Gonna be like, oh, what did Bill get me for my birthday this year? Corey Feldman album. Corey Feld dog. <laughs> Yikes. But guys, thank you so much for listening to the show this week. ETL News. We cover dumb stuff, right? <laughs> we cover dumb stuff. <laughs> but Bill, have you listened to the drop challenge yet? No, I have not. I'm looking forward to it though. You will be amazed at just what Adam and Adam and Ross's knowledge of drops is insane. Yes. Was there, there were times where I was like, I can't believe he got that. Right. You know, the when Ross guessed correctly, Zicada, I felt like a proud parent. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you. I mean, Zicada, Bill. How I'm trying to can I'm trying to figure out what that was from. That sound. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> your, clue was, your clue was what noise is synonymous with you Hell's will, Kitchen. You will hear the sound effect on Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, and even Big Brother. And he got it, Zicada. 
That's and, amazing. And Adam, Jesus, he's just like, the stuff he knew was crazy. <laughs> there is, uh, I, you know, I've listened to it several times just because I'm so entertained, but uh, I love it. it. It's great. They did a great job. I'll make sure I listen to it this week. One, two, three. Go ahead and hit it. <laughs> oh, good times. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I don't know. Do we got anything else? Steven, you want to plug something? You're a one-man uh, stage actor, Dan? Yes. It's coming up. Uh, I'm not going to announce any dates yet. <laughs> but the tour is in the works. Yes. Working on the tour. Can't wait to see that. And Bill, what do you have coming up? Uh, an exam next week. <laughs> oh, man. An exam in physical agents modalities. Yikes. I don't even know what that means. Oh, that's all the fun stuff where I have to know about uh, uh, intensity and ramps and pulses and just using all kinds of happy electronic shit to make muscles work. And then you've got your thermal modalities like hot packs and cold packs and all that happy shit. I'm giving this guy a urine test. No urine tests. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Well, guys, what are you waiting for? Get out there and watch some TV shows? Yes. Well, go watch a movie. Oh, by the way, on Netflix, the new season of Longmire is out today. I want to binge watch that shit over the weekend. Uh, Play some games. I haven't. Bill, my PS4 controller broke. I need a new one. Oh, it's just totally broken now. It just, it won't charge and all it does is get really hot. Oh, that's not good. I'm afraid it'll explode like a Galaxy S7 or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of my friends on Facebook asked me uh, what new phone they should get, and I commented that I hear the Galaxy Note uh, 7 is hot right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They tell us on the plane if you've got a Note 7 to turn it off. Don't even turn it on on the plane. The other thing will take out the left side of the plane. My God. Well, guys, do that stuff, and we'll... Bye, Stephen. Bye, Bill. See you next time! Well, guys, there you go. Another ETL news in the books. Now I can go take an oil bath in Mon Mothma's spa located in the Outer Rim. Did that sound dirty? It wasn't supposed to. Oh, well. Casting.